Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What day is today? Who knows? Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and this is a Sports Ethos presentation. You guys know the drill by now. Follow Sports Ethos on Twitter at EthosFantasyBK, the single best fantasy news feed on planet Earth. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you could spell it, you can find me. Cleared 9,500 yesterday. Again, I don't know why I care. I don't know why anyone cares, but all of a sudden you start to, and then you can't turn it off. And now it's all I want is to see that number just slowly tick upwards. And with your help, it can. Thanks to the uh, three or four folks that have rated and reviewed the podcast since I put out that clarion call last week. I know there's at least a few more of you that can do it. Open the podcast app on your mobile device or iTunes on a computer. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and on a mobile device, you scroll to the bottom. On a computer, you just click on the rate and review button. Five star would mean the world to me, and uh, maybe I'll even throw something cool your way. I don't know. I don't. Know. You want to write something nice? That's funny. I, whatever. Uh, at any event, we do have a pretty good Tuesday to recap. Nine gamer, bigger than usual, leading into a a large Wednesday. Ten gamer tonight. It's back to back heavy basketball days. Although the problem, of course was that about half of the games yesterday were blowouts. So what are you going to pull away from games like, oh, I don't know, uh, Boston beating Sacramento by 53, actually, 53. San Antonio won by 30, Golden State by 38. These weren't, like, barely blowout games. These were... These were undressings. But we'll peel through it. I also want to mention... Uh, plan for the rest of the week. I do want to do a stash episode with or without a guest. If we if we can get Jonas, I'm hoping to uh, throw him in there, but I know he's covering a ton of extra stuff over at NBC right now. So if it's not this week, it'll be soon. Um, hoping to get the guys, uh, Matt, Josh, on here in the not-too-distant future. There's a lot of voices that we had at the beginning of the season that I want to kind of loop back around. Now that my schedule's changed, I think it's actually made it easier for me to record with folks stateside, whereas before it was easier to record with folks uh, in Australia. But we'll piece it together. The point is, stash episode coming up and end of week episode coming up. We'll try to do something of like a lightning round recap of Wednesday's card tomorrow, along with some stash talk. And then Friday will be the typical, you know, ad drop stream that kind of stuff and and that'll peel us through to the end of the week but as far as today is concerned we can just dive right in get started see what we can pull out of last night's basketball games and what sort of themes were running throughout them toronto beat charlotte in a game that you know is listed at some place like they won by 12 and it wasn't that close throughout but it was close enough because toronto played their guys a million minutes again no surprise at all that freddie van vliet is out soreness scotty barnes is out soreness they're playing too many damn minutes. We know this now. Guys in the NBA are not going to play 82 games at that many minutes, and everybody's going to... I know at least some of you, at least of the generation, I would say maybe just just above mine, I'm like in between 
the young and the old generation. Older folks are going to say, ah, kids these days, they can't make it through the season. Maybe. Younger folks are going to say, ah, buzz off, old man. And maybe. The reality is players want to protect themselves for a life after basketball. Players want to be ready for the postseason. And I know nobody wants to hear it, but the game is faster, stronger now than it was 30 years ago. So when somebody's playing 38 minutes a ball game, they are ridiculous 38 minutes. And that's what Freddie Van Vliet is at right now. We talked about this yesterday. Toronto has most of the top minute-per-game guys in the NBA. In fact, uh, the simple fact that, and this is such a weird little footnote, that LeBron only played 34 minutes and change yesterday actually dropped him down to fifth in the league in minutes per game. Isn't that, isn't that wild? That Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi kind of moved out in front. Well, we talked about this on yesterday's podcast. Point is, this is always going to be a thing with Toronto. You can never just say, well, when they're healthy, X will be the case, because every year it's the same damn story. There's never a time for more than a couple of games. There's never sustained moments where Toronto has all of their main guys. So, guys like Chris Boucher, who, look, I didn't hang on to him long enough either. I know on this podcast, we were probably the podcast that said hold, or even the analyst, frankly, that said hold him the longest at the beginning of the year. And that was ultimately wrong. You can't go back. I can't. This is about me. I can't go back and try to say, well, like, what if we had held on longer? Then it would have been a win. No, it was a loss that we waited an extra week to drop him because he wasn't playing. But if anybody out there just sort of sat on him the whole year to say, hey, what can this guy do if they ever give him any minutes? We've talked about this a thousand times. Over the last month now, he's a third rounder. For a month, we're talking about this now. This is not a very small sample size anymore. This is a month of basketball. That's, by the way, including a few games where he wasn't playing enough minutes in the middle there. But guys get hurt, guys go out. When they're fully healthy now, it still looks like they're trying to get him to the 22 to 25 range, which, as we know with Boucher, puts him in the top 90. Anything above that is just massive grave. Remember, 24, 25 minutes last year, he was a top 50 player. He's not going to do as much because there are just more guys healthy that can shoot this year. They don't want him chucking away. But you've seen it. 27 minutes a game, third round pick over the last month. That's where he's been at. So just keep enjoying that. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I know Van Vliet will come back. Barnes will come back. But look, like, you know, Ananobi's going to miss a game at some point. Siakam, who's been playing his butt off, he's going to miss a game at some point here. Boucher himself probably misses a game, although he's not one of the, I'm going to play this dude 36 minutes, guys. So perhaps it doesn't apply there. Also, fun note on yesterday's game. Uh, with Van Vliet and Barnes out, this kind of gave Gary Trent a chance to get his legs back underneath him. Hey, go fire until you feel good. And he got hot. So hopefully this is the game that wakes up Gary Trent. And if he's rolling now, then you've got a whole bunch of fantasy options in Toronto again. P.J. Washington got ejected over on the Charlotte side. If you're wondering why he only played four minutes yesterday, he and Mason Plumley are super annoying uh, because they're just going to split time. When one of them's out, the other one's actually not a terrible fantasy option. But don't really worry about it when they're both in. It's just not worth your time. It's not worth the stress, the stress level. Okay? Okay. 
Uh, Clippers, crazy comeback, 35-point comeback over the Washington Wizards, including scoring the final seven points of the game in about eight seconds. It was Luke Kennard. He went all Tracy McGrady on this thing. Hit a three-pointer and then a four-point play to win it. They were down six with, what was it, like 15, 18 seconds left? In any event, I talked on yesterday's podcast about how I thought Luke Kennard might be starting to carve himself out a role on this team because he is the team's best floor-spacing shooter, and there really isn't anybody close. Nick Batum left early, had foul trouble, and then it was uh, noted that he had back spasms. Couple of, I mean, there's actually a lot to talk about on this Clippers team. We'll just go through it piece by piece. On the Batum front, he's a tough guy to have in head to head because he's been on and off of injury reports basically the entire season. Whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, his his leg, his groin, his back, now it's always something with him, and that tends to be the case with older basketball players. Roto, I think you hang on. I mean, he he showed himself to be very good as a full time starter again. The problem is that these injuries just keep popping up anytime he starts to play consistent minutes. And so you're going to get this really awful one mixed in with a bunch of good ones where he leaves after one quarter, effectively, even if he tried to play through it. Roto, hang on. Head-to-head, you don't have to. Reggie Jackson cooled off after his four, three, four, five-game heater, whatever that was, so you can probably stop worrying about him until he warms back up again. Terrence Mann had his first good game in like a month. So I got a bunch of, should I add Terrence Mann? Nah, man, like you've seen this. Same general story for Amir Coffey, although he's been better more often than Mann has been. So slightly more consistent, does more on offense. So that makes it just a little easier to raise up the floor. But Coffey, after that really hot stretch for about a week, went super cold for a week. The guy I think in this mix that at least can be a bit more consistent, is Luke Kennard. I don't know if he's going to get 30 minutes of ballgame, though, and that is sort of the, the rub. Does he see the consistent playing time he needs to lock in this kind of value? And the answer is I don't know. He got added pretty much everywhere yesterday after this big ball game. He was on our watch list, so maybe you guys scooped him up pre-podcast. Whatever. Uh, it's a couple good games in a row. His minutes have been trending up generally, It looks like they want to get him in the 28-ish range off the bench, which should be enough for him to hit a bunch of three-pointers. But will it be enough? He doesn't generally get steals. The assists, I think, will be okay. He rebounded much more than he has been yesterday, so that's a bit of an outlier. And then shot the ball really well. Of the wings, he would be the one I'd take the shot on because he can hit threes and free throws at a pretty good clip. He can pass... That's another element that you're not going to see from Amir Coffee. really. The assists are going to stay low. None of these guys is really renowned for their defensive stats. I know Coffee had three of them yesterday, but Terrence Mann's the closest one you got there. And then the other note on this team is Ivica Zubats was so terrible yesterday, they finally gave Hartenstein some run, and it was beautiful. This is why we had talked about him as an interesting stash candidate for so long. I get it. He'll get picked up here. He'll probably get dropped in the next one if he plays 14 minutes again. He's going to be on and off of teams, but it's someone definitely to watch as the trade deadline approaches. And it's also worth noting, Marcus Morris was out again for this ballgame, and I think he's out for the next one, personal reasons, which I guess is better than an injury. But that did create an opportunity with Batum and Morris both out for the Clippers to try something different. Different guys got more shots. 
So don't read too much into this one, but also, you know, read a little bit into it. And uh, over on the Wizards' side, blowing a 35-point lead is not going to leave a good taste in anybody's mouths. They had 40 free throws and lost. They outshot the Clippers 46 to 42% and lost. Turnovers weren't great, 18 to the Clippers 11, but there was just sort of no reason why the Wizards should have lost this ballgame. Uh, other than, uh, you know, missed free throw late, uh, a bad foul late, and a five-second inbound violation late. And the Boo Birds are out, man. That, I mean, like, that's the kind of loss that changes a team's trajectory. We'll see how the Wizards bounce back from it. They're still in the playoff picture. They're tied for the last play-in spot. But we always kind of knew the other shoe was going to drop for this team. Of all the teams that got off to a good start in the East, the one that was like, I don't think they end up making the playoffs was the Wizards. The era of good feelings where they were clowning on the Lakers for giving up too much. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, do you want Russ or do you want a cavalry of okay guys? Either way, I mean, I guess if you're the Lakers, you're thinking you probably want the guys that were the better fit at this point. The Wizards. Wizards probably would rather have Russ back, honestly. It's the trade that right now I don't think is working out great for either side because he kind of dragged this team into the playoffs last year. Doesn't matter. We're a fantasy basketball show. Wizards are falling, Knicks, Hawks, teams that could easily pass Washington, Celtics finally playing a little bit better, they're 7-3 and three their last 10, game over 500 at long last after their 53-point win. Wizards, Knicks, Hawks, man, battling for that last play-in spot, and I don't think the Wizards keep it, which if you're Washington, you need to sell. The writing's on the wall, you got two weeks and a day for the trade deadline, Go do something. Trade Beal. Get a monster haul. Trade one of the centers. Please, Lord, trade one of the centers. Because right now, Bryant, Gafford, and Montrez Harrow are all completely useless. Total minute split. We saw Bryant get more in the previous game. Montrez got more in this game. Gafford has really yet to win that minutes battle. Someone's going to emerge there. I don't know how you can possibly hang on to one or even two of those guys leading up to the trade deadline with as bad as they've been. But that's effectively what it is. You're guessing which one emerges after the deadline, hoping that somebody gets moved. Montrez gets moved. I don't think they'll be able to move Bryant coming back. Maybe Gafford gets moved. Do we see more Rui Hachimura after the trade deadline? If Beal gets moved, Spencer Dinwiddie finally becomes a fantasy asset for more than, you know, one Bradley Beal COVID protocol at a time. There's a lot of moving pieces in Washington. They need to blow it up. We'll see if they do. Break time in the podcast to remind you guys of our buddies over at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. I keep forgetting to tweet about it, which is not good business. So, yeah, we'll do that today. We'll do that today. Make sure to follow at Dan Vespers for some information on Thrive Fantasy. That'll get you the link that you need. Or you can just use promo code ETHOS. Get that 100% deposit match when you sign up. Get that pair of contest entry vouchers when you sign up over at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. You just need to know prop bets. Super fun. I've said it before. I find traditional DFS kind of a bore. It's too... It's weird to say repetitive, because I know when you think about full-season fantasy, that feels repetitive, but there's an arc a story arc to a full-season fantasy team. You're making strategic moves to your club, and the thing you did the day before matters. I like that the thing I did the day before matters. 
I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know. And then with DFS, you're like, which of these weirdos is going to have a good ball game? You don't need to do that, Thrive Fantasy. They perfected turning DFS into something that everybody can enjoy because you're paying attention to the key guys in the key games, the fun stuff. ThriveFantasy.com, Thrive Fantasy app available everywhere. Promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Denver beat Detroit, or perhaps I should rephrase, Nikola Jokic beat Detroit. Nikola Jokic beat Cade Cunningham. There were teams out there with those guys, but nobody really noticed them. Uh, Jeff Green was a late go. Will Barton was a late scratch on the Denver side, which didn't really change anybody's trajectory all that much. I like Jeff Green in this back-to-back. Picked him up in a couple of spots just for that alone. He's not really a 9-cat guy. When he gets warm, though, he can be okay. But you guys know my feelings on Denver at this point. It's pretty much just Jokic. Sometimes Barton. Sometimes Aaron Gordon. But, like, none of those guys is a a dude you absolutely have to start every ballgame. You can if it's the easy thing to do. And then with Detroit, Cade, big ballgame. Maybe his best game of the year. So I guess that would also make it the best game of his career. Trey Lyles, uh, Isaiah Stewart. These guys battling over center minutes has become an unbelievable waste of time. Thank goodness. I feel so relieved having moved on from Stewart two weeks ago. Just not worrying about it, not even thinking about it anymore. Wipe my hands. I wipe my hands of it. Philly beat New Orleans. Joel Embiid and company kind of played with their food a little bit. Uh, Pelicans rested everyone for this ballgame. They felt this was almost like in protest of the league. This was a makeup game when Philly didn't have enough players to compete, and then it became a difficult scheduling spot for the Pels, and they said, screw you. We're just not even going to send our guys. So Willie Hernan Gomez got the start for uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Herb Jones had a little more usage with everybody out. Nikhil Alexander-Walker had all the usage he could handle. And a tree fell in the forest because all the guys will be back for their next ballgame. Most of them, at least. We don't know if Brandon Ingram will. If he's still out, Devontae Graham is the guy that gets over the cut line. And for Philly, it's kind of a pain in the butt. Tyrese Maxey's a go. Obviously, uh, Tobias and Embiid are goes. I I can't bring myself to trust Korkmaz or Theibel right now. And I like Matisse. I love the fact that he can buttress his stats with defensive stuff. But we're also talking about a team that's still missing Seth Curry. His return pushes Theibel... Korkmaz and George Niang into the same minutes bucket. That didn't work. It hasn't worked all year for fantasy, and it won't now. Anthony Davis, back for the Lakers, played 25 minutes in his return, had four blocks, and by all accounts, I know it was a quiet ball game, but by all accounts, really did make the Lakers quite a bit better. Even though he was a minus one when he was on the floor in this ball game, because he was generally on the floor when James Harden was on the floor. And so Harden was sort of battling to keep the Nets neck and neck, but dude can't play 48 minutes, and eventually he ran out of gas. And that was kind of what happened. And by the time he ran out of gas, Anthony Davis was already near his minutes limit. Don't read too much into plus-minus. AD looked good. The only thing the Lakers did not do well in this game was rebound. And if they work on that, they're obviously a whole heck of a lot better. But beating James Harden at a bunch of, of G-leaguers is not exactly a massive accomplishment. Still... James has beaten teams himself before, and it's the kind of game that, I think without AD, the Lakers might have lost. Just to have someone back there protecting the rim who can also switch onto a wing, which is not something you could say about Dwight Howard. You know, Dwight can guard bigger wings 
DeAndre Jordan cannot guard anyone. Luckily, he's been out of the rotation for a while. Fantasy-wise, Malik Monk got real hot, so he saw some extra time in this ballgame. I know I said he was basically cooked the second AD came back. I stand by that. The Lakers suddenly have a bunch of wings they're willing to play, and it's going to come down to who is playing the best defense and combination defense and shooting on any given night. Melo was actually better in this one because the Nets didn't have that much ball movement. It was Harden, you know, one pass and then a shot, or Harden do it himself. That's easier for a team like the Lakers who struggle with rotations and switches to deal with than a team where everybody's moving like the Heat. So that allowed guys like Melo to log a few extra minutes. That allowed someone like Malik Monk, actually, to play a few extra minutes, and it ended up being a big deal because those guys hit shots where the defense-first dudes, Avery Bradley, Stanley Johnson, struggled with their shot. The guy who's making a giant impact without ever shooting is Austin Reeves. He's not a fantasy play, not even close, but he's figuring the game out on the defensive side really well. I, I, I know that Anthony Davis is a very good basketball player, but I actually believe the line probably didn't accommodate him enough. That's how important he is to the Lakers because they can't guard anyone without him on the floor. They got no shot. I know the metrics don't show him as being a key defender for the Lakers this season, but if you watched yesterday's game, there's just this colossal difference of guys going to the rim, sometimes missing layups just because he's on the floor. That's a different thing. For Brooklyn, we got to look at what they are at home, which is that to say without Kyrie Irving, and Patty Mills should be streamable. Struggled to do anything besides shoot three-pointers, and that's going to be a problem for him from time to time, but he should be streamable at home games. He took the second-most shots, and almost any time you can say so-and-so took the second-most shots on the team on any given night, that guy's probably going to have some fantasy value, provided they didn't go, like, two for 21. LaMarcus Aldridge kind of got run off the floor by the Lakers. He still salvaged it. I'm sticking with him, and that's kind of as far as I'm willing to go with the Nets right now. And that's, again, that's for home games. On the road, Mills is not in my lineup. Sacramento lost by 53. Oof. A couple of quick little footnotes on this game. It was a blowout, so you don't want to read too much into the minute distribution, but Terrence Davis is out. He hurt his wrist uh, in yesterday's ball game. He's already been ruled out on the back-to-back, which sucks because he's been a really fun fill-in for De'Aaron Fox. This probably pushes the Kings down to more Davian Mitchell, but offensively, he's a fairly anemic play. So, eh. Tyrese Halliburton, if Fox plays, then obviously this changes quite a bit, and he is questionable for the ballgame, so we might see him back on the floor. But if he doesn't, you probably just get a whole bunch more Buddy healed, which, meh, I don't know. I mean, he's startable as it is, but a little bonus would, would certainly be helpful there. Kings are rough, man. Rashawn Holmes is a buy low. Halliburton is, like, he's a perpetual buy low, even though he's had a really, really, really good season. Because folks just don't see it, because he doesn't score a ton, but he just does everything. Heald is not a buy anything. He's just a guy you roll with right now. And then uh, Harrison Barnes, I presume, will be better in their next ball game, but who knows? I don't know how he could be any worse. I think he's probably ready to get out of town, frankly. Time Lord, 13-17 and 4, 3 steals, 2 blocks, and 6 out of 8 shooting. He's been a first-rounder for a month, and nobody knows it. 
I'll tell you who knows it, Al Horford, because he's lost a ton of playing time with the Time Lord coming on so strong. You got to stick with Horford, stick with Marcus Smart. They both had bad games because they just sort of weren't needed. I don't know what Jason Tatum was doing playing 31 minutes in this game anyway. Nobody should have played 30. Whatever, they did. Not a particularly fun ball game. Same story for the next one. Also not a particularly fun ball game. You, This one even more so you can't really read into because everybody got to play 25 minutes on both teams. So just throw it out. Of course, that means Alperen Sengun finally had a better ball game because they were down so much he got extra garbage time. Hooray! How you guys feeling? November, December, January, you're three and a half months into stashing Alperen Sengun and you haven't really been able to deploy him yet? That's a lot of capital spent. Effectively a dead roster spot for three and a half months. I get it. He might turn it on, and at that point, you guys can all celebrate in my face, but I'm still going to come back with the same thing, which is, okay, you stashed for four months to get, what, six weeks out of a dude? That's why totals for the year actually do matter. Tell me about totals. They do matter. Minnesota beat Portland. Anthony Edwards' giant game. People complaining that he didn't have any assists. 40 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals, 3 blocks, and 5 three-pointers. Someone else can get the assists when a dude is that hot. Start the starters except for Jaden McDaniels on the Minnesota side, and then as soon as Pat Beverly comes back, you can just go full start the starters. Norman Powell came back for the Portland Trailblazers, played 26 minutes, and uh, kind of easing into things a little bit. Only took 6 shots. He'll take more as time passes. I do wonder if Portland considers shifting some bodies around. Nasir Little has been so very good for them in the starting lineup. Because now they have McCollum back, they they have enough offense in the starting lineup now. Anthony Simon, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic. Those are guys that lean offense. And then you've got Rob Covington and Nasir Little, guys that can lean a little bit more defense. Would they consider bringing Norman Powell off the bench? Go take 12, 14 shots, whatever it is, come in and fire to buttress a very weak second unit right now? I don't know. They'll probably eventually move him back into the starting five, but it's something on the table. And I, uh, I'm i not worried about Norm. I am worried about Nasir Little, who's been playing his butt off, but he's about to lose playing time because he and Norman Powell pretty much share that spot. I think that's probably the update on the Portland side. And before we... Cap off the evening's results with a foray into the nightcap, another blowout. Woohoo! I must ask you all to please check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Promo code is ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on anything you get over with our buddies at manscaped.com. The performance package 4.0. The perfect package 4.0. Those items come with boxers, a toiletry bag, in addition to the stuff that's already in them, and in addition to the 20% off and free shipping you get with our promo code, which is Ethos20. I've told you before, I am a massive fan of the Lawnmower 3.0. It is easily, in my life, I'm almost 40 now, the best sideburn trimmer that I have ever used and there's nothing even close the 4.0 is close so I should I I shouldn't lie about that the 4.0 is also really nice very sleek and maybe even a slightly tighter shave 
But the 3.0 is just, that is lawnmower perfection. Pinch free, like for real, for real. It never pinches. Waterproof, rechargeable battery, recharging dock, adjustable guard length if you want to trim a beard, say. It is a perfect sideburn trimmer. And right now, the Peak Hygiene Plan, which is part of the Lawnmower 3.0, is actually $10 less than the Lawnmower 3.0 by itself. That includes a fresh blade refill and a bonus product of your choice. And you can break it down into uh, payments if you want. It's pretty sweet, man. It's pretty sweet. If you want to just get the Lawnmower 3.0 by itself, it's 80. Use our coupon code, knock 20% off of that. So 16 bucks and free shipping come off of that cost. It is, again, that 3.0, I cannot say it enough. I know that the 4.0 is newer, but the 3.0 is the favorite thing that I've ever used in my life. Bar none in trimming. Not close. Ethos 20, 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Go check them out right now. Great company. So much fun to work with those guys. And they're kind enough to send me things to use so I can actually tell you about it. And I've used these things, all of them. Last game on the docket. Warriors beat the Mavericks 130-92. to Kristaps Porzingis got ejected. Tim Hardaway broke his foot. Twas not a fun evening for the Dallas Mavericks. But what this does do, for one, is Porzingis, he was having a bad game anyway. Just got himself run. He'll come back. They've got a back-to-back here tonight. He'll be, well, maybe they'll play him in the back-to-back since he didn't get to play this whole ball game. With Tim Hardaway Jr. out, that's going to create more minutes for Reggie Bullock, but it's not going to make any difference. For Reggie Bullock. He's someone that was so far from the cut line that even moving him a little bit closer doesn't matter. Where it does matter is that if Hardaway was going to take, I don't know, 10, 11 shots a ball game, what the hell is he at on the year right now? Come on, Dan, look this stuff up before you go on air. He's at 12 and a half shots per game with, you know, the fluctuating usage marks depending on who's out around him. It's actually been, you know, more in the, I think, 11 range lately. So trending down, but not by that much. Point is, let's just call it 10 to make it easier. Even if half of those go to Reggie Bullock and he goes from, uh, you know, like four shots a game to nine, which I don't think is happening. He's at six on the year, Bullock is. Like, he's not going to go to 11 shots right now. But let's just say, for argument's sake, he does. The other five shots probably get split between Brunson, Doncic, and Porzingis, basically. So add a shot to Luka, add a shot to Porzingis, add a shot to Jalen Brunson. If you want to add one to Maxi Kleba, I wouldn't, but you can. The other two or three uh, Hardaway shots just getting sliced into little slivers, a half for Marquise Chris, a half for Josh Green, a half a shot, three quarters of a shot probably for Dorian Finney-Smith because he's out there more. So what this does do... Nothing is ever so simple. But what it does do is it moves someone like a Jalen Brunson, who's been just on the right side of the cut line pretty much the entire season. It gives him a little bit more breathing room on the right side of the cut line. For Dorian Finney-Smith, who has been on the right side of the cut line, basically after the first three or four weeks where he started very slowly, we've made all these road to top 90 jokes, but he's basically been there since a very slow start to the year. And for those types of guys, 
Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, whatever, giving them that little bit of breathing room makes all the difference. Over the last two months, for instance, point of reference, Dorian Finney-Smith is number 95. Hashtag road to top 90. On nine shots a game, 8.9. If that 8.9 becomes 9.4, he moves up half a round, whatever it is. It's that little bit that keeps a guy who's close to the cut line above it. Jalen Brunson, same general story. It keeps a guy who's close to the cut line above it. He's number 106 over the last two months, which I think surprises a lot of you because a number of those games were filling in for Luka Doncic. He's not a top 100 guy when Luka's been back. But with an extra shot, with Luka around? Does he go from 12 back to 13 shots a game? Those little things that come from this Hardaway injury, solidifying guys that were very close to being solidified anyway, but getting them there. And that was your slightly larger than average Tuesday. Oh, wait. Warriors. Sorry. Warriors didn't have to play all that much. Klay Thompson looked about as good in this one as at any point since his return. Such a massive blowout that the main guys didn't really get to play late, which kind of sucks because Steph was having a good game and Klay was having a good game. And Otto Porter, one of our favorite streamers right now, he was having a good game. Presumably the next one will be closer, and then you'll be fine. Okay, now we're actually done. Uh, Two partners that I didn't mention in long form, but I do want to at least... Uh, throw out a, a quick thank you in passing. Our buddies at expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the URL to use. It's not a code. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. 15 months for the price of 12 on your VPN membership. Check it out if you want to watch uh, streaming stuff and not have them know where you are. Get different things to check out, uh, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, things like that. You can be in a different place. There are different things available depending on what country you are, you show up as in their system. But more importantly, for something like League Pass, that's where it really becomes critical. So if you're running into that problem, do check out ExpressVPN. Uh, and MyBookie.ag, our longtime partner. I can't believe I almost forgot. Um, they've been a- with us now for about 20 months, which is pretty damn cool. Longest partner I think we've ever had here at Hoopball, come to think of it. Manscaped pretty close, although they had a break in the middle. So MyBookie lapped them. MyBookie.ag, promo code there is HoopBall at sign up. Unlock some new deposit bonuses if you want to use those. I actually choose not to because I don't want to have to do with rollover stuff. And they're in a little bit of a low right now on the freebies. I'm sure they'll come rolling back anytime soon, but a lot of that stuff does happen uh, during football and the beginning of basketball season. So bear with us. I'm sure they'll have some cool stuff going. If you want to just get involved and bet some stuff, you can do that because our good buddy Doug Reed has relaunched today in sports betting. I will tell you more about that on the socials. Again, I am at Dan Baspers on Twitter. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. Ethos Fantasy BK, that one. Please, uh, five-star review. Thank, Please and thank you. My good buddy, Sean McCall, the longtime broadcaster for the La- a, uh, Lake Elsinore Storm, always used to say, and please remember to say please and thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. No, <laughs> can't sign off like that. That's too dumb. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, a little stash stuff. I'm coming on tomorrow's show.